0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Uh, My name is Emily Snyder, and it's so good to see everyone here today. Look around the room! I usually sit up there so I don't see behind me or really over. But this place is packed. That's awesome. Well, if this is your first time here at the Vineyard, or maybe second or third, if you, again, if you feel new here, I would like to just say welcome. We're really glad you're here. If this is your 1,000th time here, we have a gift for you in the kiosk. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We do not. (laughs) But welcome as well. Welcome, everybody. Um, This week, we're going to be continuing in our series about the Holy Spirit. Yay, right? Yay. Uh, When I first started coming to the Vineyard, um, I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you talk a lot about the Holy Spirit since you started going to that Vineyard church. And I was like, you know, I guess you're right. I do. And here's why. Because it's so in our culture here to treasure the Holy Spirit, uh, to just value and cherish the Holy Spirit. So, inexplicably, over the past two years, our church has grown. And there's a lot of people here who maybe come from a background like I did, where, you know, the Holy Spirit was just kind of lurking in the background, it was not really part of. the the faith culture that you were brought up in. So we just thought it would be a really good opportunity to give some space here like on a Sunday morning to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is week five. We could probably go 52 weeks, right? But I don't think we are. Adam says no. Okay, we're not. And this week, what we're gonna be talking about uh, is a life marked by the Holy Spirit as a life of identity and belonging in God's love. Okay, so here we go. Uh, This kind of seems to be a universal truth, whether this is in like a secular setting, religious setting, no matter your age, your gender, your occupation, we all want to belong somewhere. Does anybody here not want to belong somewhere? Maybe some of you are like, I could do without it, (laughs) you know, but at our core, we want to belong. Uh, There are whole, you know, psychology and sociology. What do they study? The way that we like fit into and belong to our like, you know, families of origin, right? What kind of attachments did we form? Even as babies, like we all are looking for a place to belong. For some of us, or not, well, not for some of us, for all of us, those early attachments follow us all the way into adulthood. Is that good news for you or cringy news for you? (laughs) It's a mixed bag. Okay, but what I want to talk about first is, can you remember specific times where you felt like you did not belong? I'm going to tell some stories. Some of those times are very hilarious, Some of those times are very painful, right? And some of those times are both. Here we go. Uh, A few years ago, my mom and I went to Miami. Now, I could stop the story there and just say, my mom and I do not belong in Miami. It was a little bit like Lucy and Ethel went on vacation. That's like how the whole trip went. (laughs) But we uh, flew in really late. We get there, we get to the hotel, and I thought it would've been cool to stay at this like boutique hotel downtown with my mom. So we get to the hotel and we're just hungry. Like, have you ever just gotten somewhere really late and you're just like, I just wanna eat and go to bed? So I was like, well, the concierge says that there's a rooftop uh, restaurant. Should we go up there? My mom's like, all right, sure, let's do it. So we get on the elevator. And we hear as we're making our ascent, we hear boom, 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 and I'm like, "Is there something wrong with the elevator? What's going on?" And then you know it starts making its stops as it's going higher and higher, and people start getting on, and they are ready to get down. And so my mom and I are just like, make like we can't even make eye contact at this point, and my mom is just like giggling. And we get higher and higher and higher when we realize a rooftop restaurant in Miami on a Saturday night might not be our scene, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) we get up to the top and everybody's like, after you. And we're like, no, I insist after you and there's like this long hallway and this <laughs> glass door but it, like you can kind of see through it you know one of those doors and here's what I see lights just everywhere and then the music is even louder and my mom looks at me and she goes we don't belong here and I was like no we don't so we get back at the elevator go back to our room we eat some granola bars and we go to bed that's what <laughs> we did uh, we just didn't it, it just no I'm not doing it with my mom, in a rooftop restaurant, that was not a restaurant, okay. Sixth grade, nobody belongs in sixth grade, (laughs) but in sixth grade, I, um, my family moved to a different state. We moved from Indiana to Missouri, so am I a Midwesterner through and through? Yes, I am. And uh, so I started this new school where I didn't know anybody. Now, Some context here. I hope I am not the only person who remembers. Like, do you guys remember in the late 90s how like Looney Tunes was really big? I see nods, oh thank God. Okay, so Looney Tunes was big and I was really attached to that. So I chose for my first day of school outfit. We ready? Brace yourselves. Um, A pair of like pastel, like bike shorts. And then, yeah, thank you, Lori. She's like, I know where you're going with this. An oversized shirt with a just humongous Tweety Bird on the front, but it's like when Tweety Bird had an attitude. So the hat was on backwards and he or she was like scowling. I don't know Tweety Bird's gender, so. Um, and I roll up in that classroom thinking, I look amazing. <laughs> And then I I remember this was the first time I ever felt like, oh my, (laughs) I I don't belong here because I walked into that classroom and apparently everybody had gone to the mall and looked really good. And this was my first introduction to like, now again, this was to like Abercrombie. I didn't know that that was a thing, but I knew that Tweety ain't going to compare to that. I felt so out of place. And I remember thinking, I do not belong, <laughs> do not belong here. Uh, sometimes we are in places where we belong, but then like the circumstances that happen go so sideways that you find yourself thinking, how, how did we end up here? I don't belong here. So let me tell you another story. Uh, back in November, my grandmother passed away. And in December, we had her memorial service. And so my mom and I drove, a lot of these stories involve my mom. Okay, just a just the theme. Um, my mom and I drive up to Northern Ohio. We meet my brother up there. My dad was unable to come because guess what? Two days before they were supposed to leave, he got COVID. So we get up there, we get to our Airbnb um, and The morning of my grandmother's funeral, which would be my mom's mom, my mom tests positive for COVID. And so she decides, well, I'm just going to watch the live stream. And Emily, you and your brother are going to run this show. So I, my brother, I like get the box with grandma in it and we're just walking into the, you know, funeral home and people start showing up and it's extended family members who I kind of know, but I don't really, don't really know them. And I just remember thinking, I do not belong here doing this right now. Where's the adult? (laughs) It was me. So what do these little stories have in common? One, there were times that I became aware of my own lack of community in a certain moment. And two, uh, there were times that my identity was called into questions. Like in those moments, I was unsure of who I was. So for instance, in sixth grade, I was a Tweety Bird kid, right? That was my identity. And all around me, were no Tweety Bird kids. Uh, at my grandmother's memorial service, right? Uh, I, I was identifying there as how I have always related to my grandmother as a child, right? Not the adult and all around me, aside from my brother who thank God was there, uh, the rest of my like nuclear family was, was not able to attend. I had no community around me. Belonging and identity are really central to the narrative arc that our lives take, right? We're all living a story. We're all living a story. And our sense of identity, as well as where we have found belonging along the way, that love, that attachment, greatly determines the kind of story that we are living And even when the events of that story uh, look like they were taken from the pages of a Greek tragedy, because things do happen to us, right? Um, The story of a Holy Spirit-empowered life doesn't reflect the awfulness of your situation, but rather it reflects who and whose we are. So... That's where we're gonna start. Oh yeah, this is just the beginning, we still have more. Okay, so the Holy Spirit enables us to know who we are and where we stand with God. And we know this because it happened to Jesus. So let's pull up our first scripture, Matthew three. We're gonna read the account of Jesus' baptism. And we're gonna start with the words of John the Baptist. Here we go. This is John talking. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate, I always say this word wrong, the chaff, is that right? Okay, from the wheat with his winnowing fork Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat in his barn, but burning the chaff in never ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he says. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So... John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Okay. First, I wanna point this out, uh, that this account happened in front of a crowd Think about all the times that Jesus like performed miracles, turned water into wine. What did he say to these people? He said, don't tell anybody about this. Oh, I just healed you from a lifelong, you know, ailment. Great, don't tell anyone. However... Uh, The account in Luke's gospel very clearly says, while the crowds were waiting to be baptized. So this like very foundational moment in the life and in the ministry of Jesus was done out in the open. There were no secrets at all. Uh, And while while it was an individual word from the father for Jesus, it was for the benefit of the entire crowd around him. And I really hope you've picked up on this theme being woven uh, throughout the whole series we've been doing on the Holy Spirit. The gifts and the power of a Spirit-led life are not just to benefit me. They are to benefit the entire whole. Specifically, what I'm talking about this morning is everybody in this room. And if you're on the live stream, <laughs> you do, you can't. Um, And while like as individuals, obviously we do have a part to play in that, uh, it's not the ultimate goal to have each one of us operating as these self-actualized Holy Spirit people. The ultimate goal is for us to function as a body. Um, Adam put it to me this week, in community for community. And I just kind of wanna further parse this out because something, I felt like the Lord was asking me a question this week while I was preparing. Um, And the question went like this, Emily, what does it look like for a church body, not individuals, but an entire group, like everyone here at Vineyard Campbellsville as a collective group, what does it look like when an entire group knows that they are sons and daughters of God? And what happens when they become convinced that God isn't mad at them, that just like with Jesus, we bring Him joy, and that He in fact and He in fact loves us? What does it look like when uh, we, as a group, begin to order our lives and the actions that we take toward each other and toward our community, with that as our like grounding force? What does that look like? And I actually don't think that is a rhetorical question. I think that there's, like, that was a vision for our church and for what the Lord wants for us to be moving in, especially in this season. I just really feel like there's momentum there for that. So second, uh, the baptism of Jesus obviously is, is widely regarded as the beginning of his public ministry. Uh, And Jesus stepping into his calling resulted in a shower of love and affection from the Father. Um, I've always kind of wondered about this. Like, does it strike anyone as odd that John's preaching out in the desert, he had one message. His message was repent, right? Repent for the kingdom is near. And what's the one thing that Jesus didn't need to do? Repent, right? Repent, be baptized. We saw in this account, John even says, no, 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 Jesus. You've you've got this flipped around. Well, this has to do with Jesus's identity as God's son and the place that he had in God's plan for the world. He had nothing to repent for, and he still submitted to the Father's will and he remained blameless, even up to being sentenced to death, and he still submitted to the Father's will. And I believe that it was because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. Jesus was obedient to receive John's baptism by water uh, because he loved the Father and he wanted his whole self to just be in, li- in alignment with what God wanted. Uh, but what he received coming out of the water was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what that entailed affirmed his identity as a welcome son and also made clear how God felt about him. You're my son, I love you. You bring me joy. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean? Well, some of us grew up in in this room without those attachments, right? Uh, Maybe you never knew where you stood in your family. Maybe you never heard uh, anybody say, I delight in you. You bring me joy. I love you. Uh, Or maybe you did, but you knew that there were some strings attached from whoever had said it. And maybe that lack has been hindering you from really stepping into your true calling as a son or daughter of God. And just as God sent the Holy Spirit to affirm to Jesus his identity and to express his love for his son, Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us so that we can experience the exact same thing. I feel like the Lord really brought this to a new light for me this week, uh, the Holy Spirit is such a gift, such a gift. And just as I need to hear from my mom or dad or spiritual mothers and fathers that I love them, that they're not mad at me, that they bring or that I bring them joy, how much more do I need to know and believe that about myself from God? And we are able because of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we can lose sight of that, right? Yeah. Uh, This is not what you want the person up front on a Sunday morning to say, but there have been a few times this week where I've just been doing like mindless tasks, you know? Uh, One of them specifically, and this is not a mindless task, but I was driving around town, um, and I just, you know, your mind starts to wander, And uh, there's a couple times where this thought popped into my head, especially when I was just thinking about, you know, Sunday morning. And the thought was, is any of this even real? (laughs) Is this, what are we doing? You know? Now, uh, something I have learned through spiritual direction uh, is when those kinds of thoughts pop into my head, specifically thoughts that I know are not exactly how my heart feels, here's what I do. I stop and I say, Lord, I've just had this thought. And then I say the thought. Is there an area in my heart uh, that needs some work that we need to tend to together? Because that thought is not actually how I feel. I actually do believe that all of this that I'm saying is real. I actually do believe that. Where did that thought come from? So the Lord began to, to tell me like, you know you're feeling a real disconnect from this message because you have not just sat and sat with this. God is your father, and He loves you. I haven't sat with that in a really long time. There's been um, it was a couple of years ago. I almost exclusively meditated on the Lord's Prayer, our Father, and then that's it. Uh, and I haven't done that or thought about it in a really long time. Uh, so we can't, it's just, it's, it's natural for us to lose sight of being sons and daughters and welcome and loved in God's kingdom. So uh, can we pull up Galatians 4? This is kind of what helped me come out of it or this is how the Lord addressed my heart this week. Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. See, when we call to the Lord, it is not a business transaction. He actually wants us to come to him as a father and daughter, a father and a son, because he loves us and because he is where we belong. So my next question then is what does belonging look like in the kingdom? What does it look like? When Jesus comes out of the water, God says two things to him. You are my son, and I I am pleased with you, or you bring me joy. Uh, Those two phrases actually have Old Testament roots. So the first one is Psalms 2. Let's pull that up. Psalm 2, 7. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Uh, Isaiah 42 Skip to that. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. Do you see what he's declaring about Jesus? He is a son and he is a servant. And if we are to be like Jesus, and we are, that's the goal. <laughs> If we are to be like Jesus, and we're going to have to uh, come to terms with the fact that belonging in the kingdom is not self-serving, but it is about sacrifice and serving others. If you look hard enough, you can find belonging anywhere. Adam has said this a million times. The internet exists, so if you can't find belonging, if you strike out with like people that you can see, uh, just go online. You'll find, it, you'll find belonging somewhere, right? Um, and it's fine, all good and well, to have, to have belonging. But I have found that when I am pursuing belonging to like a group or a certain lifestyle or I don't know, culture or what have you, and when that pursuit uh, is only serving my own interests, my own desires, my own passions, that is when I end up feeling the most isolated and the most confused about who I am. So again, if we are to be like Jesus, the son and the servant, then we will need to accept that the belonging of the kingdom is a belonging that serves others and make sacrifices. And we are empowered to live this way because it obviously does not come naturally for us as human beings, right? But we are empowered to live this way by the Holy Spirit. So like when you pray for someone to be healed, you're serving them. When you give somebody a prophetic word, guess what? You are serving them. Uh, When you help the poor, you are serving them. Uh, When you just like, Shoot somebody a text because they came to your to your brain. And said, "Hey, how's your week been?" You're serving them, and we do these things because we are not only convinced uh, that the love and the belonging that we have in the kingdom is for us, but we are convinced about it for each other as well. For each other as well, uh, we need only to read about the early church in Acts to really see what this looks like uh, played out in real life. Let's go ahead and pull up Acts 2. I love this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. One thing I really love about this uh, passage in Acts 2, and it, uh, because it mirrors what uh, the Lord said about Jesus in the baptism narrative, is that there is joy. Yeah, How how does God feel about Jesus? What does he say in the baptism narrative? You bring me joy. How do the believers interact with one another after they receive the Holy Spirit? With joy generosity. Joy is a uh, identifier of a Holy Spirit led life. And I really, really, I was telling Dusty this last night and I was like, I'm done with not being joyful. I'm just done with it. And here's the thing, you know, if I look back through like a hard time I've had in my life, I could definitely say in that time, I'm just not happy. You know, I'm not happy. Uh, But if I look back at those very same times, I can see like, oh, but my children were a joy during that time. Oh, but my community here and the way that I've been um, supported and uplifted has been such a joy. Joy lasts and it is an identifier of a spirit led life. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna have the band come back up. I'm gonna, I could keep going, but I'm not going <laughs> I'm gonna have the band come back up. We're gonna do another song. Um, yeah, these believers in Acts, they were convinced of who they were and whose they were by accepting the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it changed the way that they interacted with one another. They interacted with joy and generosity, uh, with goodwill towards each other. Um, And I just really feel like there's a lot of momentum for that uh, in our church. It's, it's, It's really growing. It's really growing, so... All right. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.